This is episode 46 of the Prepper Website Podcast. Today's articles are Coping with Life-Threatening Allergies in an SHTF World, Vitamin Supplements Guide List, and How to Deal with Laundry in Survival or Primitive Situations. Hey, my name is Todd Sepulveda. I'm the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily aggregator of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey, let's get started. Okay, our first article comes to us from TheSurvivalMom.com. And Lisa has a great article over there, Coping with Life-Threatening Allergies in an SHTF World. The reason this grabbed my attention was um, my wife developed an allergy to shrimp later on in life and we ate we ate shrimp you know young uh growing up you know in 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 our marriage we, we you know we love shrimp we love seafood and then all of a sudden one day um you know she started developing this allergy and we thought it was just maybe the restaurant they didn't cook it right and then the next time it got a little bit worse and it would get worse and now we're at the point where um when we go to a restaurant we if we order something it's not even seafood related or fish related um, we go to um, and get some fried mushrooms. We, we like mushrooms. Fried mushrooms, we have to make sure that they don't, or even chicken tenders or anything simple like that, uh, that they don't fry it in the same oil that they do uh, fried shrimp. Because then uh, she can, you know, even with that, she can develop uh, a reaction to that. And sometimes it can get really, really bad. And so we have to be really careful. And now it's kind of moved on from there. We, we've uh, always kind of liked tuna. Uh, we've eaten tuna, although lately we've kind of uh, eaten what we've had of it, and just kind of the things that are going on in the in the oceans. We just kind of freaked out a little bit uh, with the tuna out there. But uh, salmon, we love salmon and those kinds of things, and she just can't eat it, and so uh, it really sucks. So you know, this this kind of um, really spoke to me when I when I looked at it. Now th- these allergies aren't coming from something like that. These are more like seasonal allergies that they're talking about. But it's very important, something to consider, something that we don't really consider uh, when we're, you know, when we're prepping. And uh, so hopefully this maybe uh, will get you thinking about this a little bit. So let's go ahead and get started on this one. Uh, We've lived in our home for nearly a decade and I love it. I truly love my yard, but the feeling is not mutual. My yard is trying to kill me. After a lifetime of thinking of myself as allergy-free, I have been proven wrong. As it turns out, oak trees, along with other things, cause me to have an extreme allergic reaction. Care to guess where I live? Yes, in the middle of 150 acres of forest. I had no idea that this could be a life-ending allergy for me. Huge portions of this country have primarily hickory and oak forests. I would need to drive at least 12 hours to be somewhere that doesn't have oak trees. If you or someone in your family struggles with seasonal allergies, first go to an allergist to find out what they are. In a truly catastrophic event, it is critical that you know the type of environment you can live in. In an SHTF scenario with medical care limited or non-existent, you will need to know not only what you and your loved ones are allergic to, but then also know how to treat them. I have had chronic bronchitis and other coughing-related problems since junior high. At one point, a doctor prescribed an inhaler and another doctor mentioned I might have asthma. When I lived on the West Coast, my coughing problems subsided and I thought I had outgrown my allergies. After I moved back east, the coughing problems returned. After a few years, seasonal allergies flare-ups became a problem, so I started taking over-the-counter antihistamines. 
Things got worse and I was now using a nasal spray and prescription medication. I remembered my inhaler and tried it. It helped a lot. When I developed an allergy to onions, I realized that I needed to see an allergist. My allergy issues went beyond just occasional seasonal misery. When I told her I had used more than three-fourths of a rescue inhaler in three weeks, she was shocked. Clearly, it was the wrong treatment and I should have been in to see her sooner. As per normal procedure, I had stopped taking antihistamines for a week before the testing to ensure they were all out of my system. Thankfully, I could still use an inhaler. The allergist tested nearly 30 different things on me using prick and intradermal in the methods. I came back as allergic to all of them. I reacted as a 4++ with 4 being the highest on oak trees. My body was also very reactive to many other common substances such as ragweed and dust mites. I have no idea how severe my allergies were. These were times I had difficulty breathing and that should have caused me to seek immediate treatment. But it crept up so slowly over a long period of time I didn't think about it. Does this sound familiar to you too? Whether you have the allergy symptoms or someone in your family does, please get checked out by an allergist. Some allergies are very difficult to get under control. It may be worse than you realize, even potentially life-threatening like mine. There are many steps to help reduce your allergies. If you know you have a pet allergy, accept it and do not get another pet that will trigger your allergies. When you see an allergy and asthma specialist, they will give you a specific plan with remediation steps to take. One simple step is to use a face mask. I strongly prefer the machine washable, reusable, breathe healthy face mask because I can wear them for hours without the discomfort that cheap disposable mask causes. There are a variety of fun patterns to choose from. It takes a while to get used to the sensation of breathing through a face mask. Cleaning the inside of your home can stir up dust, pet dander, and other allergens. Cleaning outside can stir up pollen. Wearing a face mask and possibly even goggles reduces how much of the allergen enters your system. Neti pots can also be a great help, but also be careful with the water you use. Buying distilled water is a great choice, although boiling and then cooling water before using it is also popular. Many people swear by neti pots and the relief they bring. If you aren't familiar with them, here's an example. Both the neti pot and a good face mask are options for dealing with allergies in a post-SHTF scenario. Without the ability to get allergy medications, shots, or hospital care, in the case of an extreme reaction, these two stopgap measures are both inexpensive and fairly effective. With the severity of my own allergies, I will be getting immunotherapy shots in the near future. Immunotherapy is a weekly commitment for about five years. It isn't something that everyone can do, even if they are a candidate for. I know that I cannot avoid oak trees and I am going to keep my pets. For me, the sacrifice and time of immunotherapy is worth it in order to live a life free of miserable allergy symptoms. The week leading up to my allergy test, I was wearing a face mask any time I went outside and most of the time I was inside. There were moments when it was difficult for me to breathe and it wasn't even peak pollen season. My doctor prescribed Singular, antihistamines, a nasal spray, and an asthma inhaler for daily use. I also rely on a rescue inhaler in case of an allergy-induced asthma attack. Many allergy medications are available over-the-counter. It is important to know what medicine is best for you and to keep a good supply on hand. Over-the-counter meds are readily available, have fairly long shelf lives, and often you can find coupons that provide discounts. If a severe allergy sufferer is without their medication for more than a day or two, their condition could degenerate from healthy to life-threatening before help arrives. For example, antihistamines only stay in your system for two to seven days. Consider keeping extra medication at work, in the car, in emergency kits, or other places where you might need it. Even a dose or two encased in a vacuum-packed bag can be kept in a wallet or a money pouch. 
Local honey can help with allergies for weeds, grasses, and anything else bees pollinate. But bees aren't big pollinators of trees, so it can't be a solution for everyone. It doesn't even occur to me that, sorry, it didn't even occur to me that the reason the honey was improving but not eliminating my allergy problems was that I had multiple allergies to some things that bees don't pollinate. Local honey, op local honey operates on the same principle as allergy shots. When ingested, your body is exposed to small amounts of an allergen to help it develop a tolerance. Honey has the potential to reduce the user's overall allergen load. An allergen load is the total amount of allergens your body is dealing with at any point in time. One way to keep honey handy is to pour it into half sections of drinking straws and sealing, it the, in and sealing the ends with a hot iron. There are individual honey packets you can purchase, but I'm not convinced the honey is pure honey. Often it's combined with high fructose corn syrup and some other ingredients. Take a look at these fire straw instructions and then use the same concept with honey. Once you know what you are allergic to, it is important to take steps to reduce your allergen load. You may be able to reduce your total exposure below the allergic threshold, which is where symptoms start. Since it is the total exposure to all allergens that leads to being symptomatic, it makes sense to reduce anything possible. If you have a cup and you pour some milk in it, some soda, some coffee, and a little bit of tea, it will eventually overflow. It doesn't matter that there are a lot of different types of drinks in it. The cup will overflow the same if you held it under the sink and filled it just with water. The same is true of allergens. If sufferers can remove or reduce even one or two triggers, it can make a difference. Certain foods such as onions, garlic, corn, and wheat are common and seemingly impossible to avoid entirely. Others such as passion fruit, quinoa are fairly simple to avoid. The same is true of non-food allergens. Mites are almost impossible to avoid entirely and oak trees are incredibly common wherever there are deciduous forests. While most of us won't part with a family pet easily, horses and orchids are pretty simple for most of us to avoid. As a prepper, keep at least one extra month or two supplies of your allergy medication, including local honey if you use it. Asthma inhalers are prescription only, making it hard to have extras on hand. Keeping Keep a supply of over-the-counter medicine. Include simple antihistamines, even if they aren't part of your daily regimen. Remember that having your gear and supplies to keep allergens off you is also a must. A scrub cap, they make scrub caps specifically for long hair, no-rinse shampoo, and the Breathe Happy Face Mask can help keep pollen away from your eyes and nose. Pollen is designed to stick to things, so it will be carried in on the surface of anything that goes outside. Being able to clean your clothes without electricity will let you have pollen-free clothing when you or anyone in the family has to venture out into nature. Pollen will also attach to your pets. Waterless pet shampoo is a good idea, so be prepared to clean a lot during pollen season and in an emergency. I know my allergies has forced us to change some of us of our preparedness plans. I am a big proponent of bugging in versus bugging out. In the event of a disaster, my family will have only a month or two of bugging in at our home. We will need to move away from any oak tree before I run out of medication. I will also need to be careful around fires because the smoke triggers my asthma. As difficult as it, has to, as it is to have allergies, knowing what they are, how to treat them, and what to do in an emergency has given me more control over my health and preparedness plans. Yeah, I just remember as I was reading this, uh, the, the pastor of the church that I took over about a year ago, um, his daughter was very... Um, had she was more and it wasn't really allergic she had a reaction to the humidity in Houston 
and they moved to California and it was very amazing. They realized that that was a big issue is when they took a trip and she had symptoms here and moved uh, to, to they, they went to California to vacation and to visit family and all of a sudden her symptoms were going away and then they came back the minute that she got back here into Houston and in the humidity. And so... Um, I think the, I think it was the humidity. It was something with uh, the humidity and the dew point and, and just uh, the season. It was just it was a lot. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure it was the the humidity, and uh, so it's it's a lot different over there for her in California. And so um, it's amazing how different parts of the country can do you know different things. Uh, I you know I've been talking about it the last couple of weeks. I'm still kind of feel a little congested just from the oak and the pollen is really really high right now in, in the Houston area. So. Uh, still feeling it, but definitely I'm not at the place where, um, or at least I don't know of anyone who is so allergic to like oak pollen and, and things like that, that they could wind up losing their life. I mean, that's pretty severe, um, but you know that there's people out there just like this person who uh, has written this uh, this article here. So definitely something to be thinking about. And if you're feeling like you're always sick, I mean, it might be it might be worth it now while you have the ability to go check the, get it checked out and find out, you know, is there something that is, uh, you know, providing an, 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 uh, or an allergen out there for you that's causing this a react, you know, causing a reaction for you and a way to easily mitigate that. So good article, something to go think about. Uh, there's a lot of, lot of links in this article, so you want to go check that one out. Next article comes to us from Modern Survival Blog. And uh, I like this one because it just, it was a, uh, the title is a vitamin supplements guide list, and it just goes through different vitamins, um, how much you should take, um, what they do, and then where you can get them sourced from um, naturally. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and read this one. I think this would be important, especially coming off of uh, an article that we read last week of malnutrition from uh, readynutrition.com. So let's go ahead and read this one from Modern Survival Blog, Vitamin Supplements Guide List. Preppers will store up a supply of food, but have they considered the nutritional balance of the foods they stored versus what the body needs? Vitamins are necessary for our general nutrition and good health. Although they do not directly contribute to energy or bodybuilding materials, they are important to form complex chemical compounds that are necessary to convert food to energy and to build tissue. Note, a prolonged lack of vitamins may result in serious health problems. The following vitamin supplement guide or list Details some of the specific information corresponding to the USRDA daily allowance for adults. The list includes the vitamin function in the body and some of the natural food sources for the vitamin itself. Note, consult with your doctor regarding any vitamin supplement or intake. All right, beta carotene, 5,000 to 25,000 IU, decreases free radical damage, may decrease risk of heart attacks. It's sourced from algae, orange and dark green vegetables, green leafy vegetables, peach, alfalfa sprouts, sweet potatoes, and papaya. Folic acid, or B-complex, 400 to 1200 mcg, um, helps, helps, in, helps in formation of red blood cells, enhances protein metabolism. Sourced from green leafy vegetables, broccoli, asparagus, okra, cauliflower, cantaloupe, nuts, legumes, Brussels sprouts, whole grain cereals, oranges, and carrots. Vitamin A, 10,000 to 50,000 IU. Antioxidant, aids in growth and repair of body tissues necessary for night vision. Sourced from eggs, colored fruits and vegetables, milk, and dairy products. Vitamin B1, 
thiamine, 50 to 300 mcg, maintains healthy skin, mouth, eyes, hair, health, helps stabilize appetite, essential for normal function of heart, nervous system, digestion, growth, and learning capacity. Sourced from pork, nuts, whole wheat, wheat germ, poultry, fish, brown rice, egg yolks, legumes, whole grains, and blackstrap molasses. Vitamin B2, riboflavin, 50 to 300 mcg, prevents inflammations, produces antibodies and red blood cells, essential for healthy eyes, hair, skin, nails. It's sourced from cheese, milk, egg yolks, peanuts, nuts, whole grains, blackstrap molasses. Vitamin B3, niacin, 50 to 500 mcg, essential for digestion, dilates blood vessels, and helps blood circulation, reduces cholesterol and blood. Sourced from lean meats, poultry, fish, peanuts, and wheat germ. Vitamin B5, panthothenic acid, 25 to 500 grams, aids in resisting stress, formation of fats, provides energy, stimulates growth. Sourced from eggs, orange juice, legumes, liver, whole grains, wheat germ, mushrooms, and salmon. Vitamin B6, priodoxine, 50 to 500 mg, help digest, helps digestion and weight control, enhances healthy skin, nerves, and muscles, forms antioxidants. Sourced from milk, cabbage, cantaloupe, legumes, blackstrap molasses, meat, peas, wheat germ, whole grains, brown rice, prunes, and leafy green vegetables. Vitamin B12, cobalamin, 500 to 50 to 500 mcgs. Essential to formation of red blood cells, promotes healthy nervous systems, sourced from pork, beef, cheese, milk, eggs, and fish. Vitamin C, ascorbic acid, 1,000 to 10,000 mg, essential in formation of skin, connect, connective tissue, strengthens body immune system, helps in wound healing. Sourced from tomatoes, acerola, cher cherries, sprouted alfalfa seeds, peppers, citrus fruits, papaya, cantaloupe, broccoli, and strawberries. Vitamin D, colecholephorol, 400 to 600 IUs, essential for proper function of nervous system, heart, and normal clotting, aids in calcium absorption. Sourced from fat, butter, fish, liver oil, oily fish like herring and sardines, egg yolk, salmon, tuna, and bone meal. Vitamin E, tocopherol, 200 to 800 IUs. Powerful antioxidants and free radical scavenger, essential for cell re respiration. Sourced from uh, margarine, cold-pressed oil, whole wheat and wheat germ, sweet potatoes, molasses, nuts, dark green vegetables, eggs, oatmeal, and liver. Vitamin F, linoleic acid, and there's just uh, NA next to the amounts you should have. Destroys cholesterol, enhances normal glandular activity, makes calcium available to body cells, sourced from butter, wheat germ, vegetable oils, sunflower seeds. Vitamin K, philoquinin, 800 mcgs, produces blood clotting factor, helps prevent osteoporosis, not a true vitamin, it's developed in the intestine. Sourced from spinach, green cabbage, tomatoes, liver, lean meats, egg yolk, whole wheat strawberries. Vitamin P, bioflavonoids, 500 to 10,000 mg, promotes healthy capillary walls, prevents cold and flu, enhances growth of connective tissue, helps prevent bruising, sourced from buckwheat, black currants, cherries, grapes, and fruits. Consider stocking up on a daily multivitamin to ensure a balance of nutritional supplements, especially during periods when you know you are not eating a balanced diet. 
A daily multivitamin is a good idea regardless. Do your own due diligence when investigating the attributes of vitamins or supplements. This list is not to be considered medical advice. So over in um, the uh, the article, there's about 36 comments, and so a lot of people kind of weighing in on that and uh, talking about uh, different vitamins and things that uh, to consider. And so that might be something to go check out um, because that might be you might want to go ahead. You know the the foods that we eat now don't provide you know a, enough of the vitamins, and unless you're eating completely organic. Um, the nutritional value of foods is from what I've read in the past is just it's gone downhill tremendously just the way that they've um, they've been growing vegetables and stuff so it's nothing compared to what you would have found in vegetables 20 or even 40 50 years ago and so definitely uh, a vitamin would be you know would be a good idea so check into that and if you uh, are going to go talk to your doctor go uh, talk to them as well I know one of the things someone said to me once is uh, be careful with the multivitamins uh, just you know the ones that you can get like at Walmart or at the drugstore the real popular ones sometimes they're um, like very like a rock form and um, the body doesn't really take in a whole lot of that uh, a lot of it passes through the system I don't know any anything uh, you know I can't tell you anything for sure I'm not a nutritionist or a doctor or anything like that uh, but I always, you know, I always have that in the back of my mind. And so sometimes I know that there's places where you can buy vitamins that are in liquid form. They don't taste very good, but you can buy them in liquid form and powder form as well. And definitely you can also, you know, eat some good food. The, eating good food is going to help a whole, whole lot. All right. So uh, go check that out at modernsurvivalblog.com. All right. Last, uh, last article comes to us from Prepper's Will. And it's how to deal with laundry in survival or primitive situations. Um, you know, he makes a, in in the article he does make a comment that he hasn't read too much in in a lot of uh, preparedness books. I you know reading I don't read too many articles about doing laundry. I know that there's been a lot of videos of doing laundry out there, a lot of different scenarios and stuff like that. Um, and so there are some people that you know when I watch uh, an American Homestead. I know that they they're they're totally off grid. They're doing laundry like the old old school way. I mean, they've got they're going through a ringer and all that kind of stuff. Um, so there's definitely people that are out there doing it. But when we think about you know being in a in a survival situation, an SHTS situation, uh, we don't we're not always thinking about clothes, right? Uh, but definitely you should have uh, or be thinking about that and a means to to wash that and to stay clean. So let's go ahead and read this one. This is our last article of the podcast. Sanitation is an important aspect of survival, and this topic is poorly covered in most survival books. When it comes to dealing with dirty laundry, many people rely on their washing machines to clean their clothes. They can live without these modern appliances, and only few of them remember how our ancestors cleaned their laundry. During my travels in India and Mexico, I had the opportunity to see how people live in poor districts, how they washed their clothes with hot water and soap and worked them by hand until they were clean. I've seen people wash their clothes in the stream using nothing more than rocks. It was a fascinating experience for me to see how they could go by with only the minimum to survive. It also made me wonder how the modern man will deal with the situation if electricity suddenly stops flowing. Your washing machine is not the most vital item during a survival scenario, but it does make things easier when it comes to doing laundry. Since most survival books are not covering this topic, I thought it would be a good idea to see what options we have for doing laundry when SHTF. 
Dealing with laundry after SHTF. What type of fabrics are you working with? This is a question that needs the right answer since it will make your life easier in the long run. Some fabrics clean up better than others and certain stains are harder to remove than others. When it comes to survival gear, many prefer cotton and wool as well as other natural materials. They are considered superior to any other fabrics although they are not as durable as polyesters. In poor countries, polyester clothes are quite common because they hold up better to rugged abuse, including being washed by stones. To avoid dealing with delicate fabrics, read the label before you buy your survival clothes, quote-unquote survival clothes. The comfort and breathability of natural fabrics is worth the money, but they will not last as long as synthetics. Avoid buying clothes that should be taken to dry cleaners. I doubt you will find any open when it hits the fan. While exploring the great outdoors, your clothes will get dirty in no time and you won't always have soap and water with you. During a survival training in Arizona, a trainer showed us how to stay clean. We would remove our clothes, shake them out, and let them bask in the sun for a bit. The next step was to turn them inside out and let them lay in the sun for an hour or two. And finally, with a bristle brush, we would dry scrub our bodies to remove dirt and dead skin cells. It wasn't, ple- it wasn't a pleasant experience, but you will get used after a while, used to it after a while, and it's quite refreshing. After doing all of this, he pulled out a bar of soap from his bag and told us, A bar of soap is easy to carry and it will save you all of that. There are endless options when it comes to, bo- to bar and liquid soaps you could pick for your bug out bag. Make sure you always have some in your bag. The thing to keep in mind here is to bring some that won't pollute the water and soil. There is no telling how much you would be spending in a certain area and you don't want to poison yourself. When it comes to carrying soap, I have two options. I make my own at home or I buy Fells Naphtha laundry soap or Dr. Bruner's organic Castile bar soap. Not everyone has the time or inspiration to plan ahead, but there is still an option even for them. As I wrote in a previous article, you can find soap in in nature and there are various soap plants spread all across North America. These plants have been used for generations by the Native Americans and the first pioneers. You can do a little research and find out if you have soap plants in your region. The most known soap plants are yucca, mountain lilac, soap root, amole, buffalo gourd, and bouncing bet. All across our country, there are quite a few plants that contain saponins, steroids that dissolve in water and create a stable froth. These plants will help you stay clean when exploring the great outdoors, so check with the botany departments from your local college to see what grows in your area. This may seem like an exaggerated statement if you have to do laundry for a family of four. However, if you need to stay clean and there aren't many clothes, you can use the following trick. Instead of taking a shower, take a bath and get your dirty clothes into the bathtub with you. Hand wash each item with you. Take a bath and save both water and soap. It will require some serious squeezing and twisting, but it's not a difficult process to get used to. Another alternative would be to build your own off-grid washing machine or buy one that works. You don't need to spend a lot of money to make an off-the-grid washing machine, and it should cost you around $5 to complete this project. You will need a simple plunger and a 5-gallon bucket. Here is an article showing you how to build your own. And last but not least, you can get a washboard and keep it at your bug-out location. If it helped your grandparents doing laundry efficiently, it should help you as well. Most often people will ask, what if I have no soap and I can't find any soap plants? What then? Since this might happen when resources are scarce, you can just wash your laundry with water and scrub them with the rock. You will need to agitate the clothes and squeeze them until uh, the water gets dirty. 
If your clothes have stains, you can use small stones to remove those stains. Look for smooth stones with a surface that feels like a fine pumice. Once you find the perfect stone, use it to gently rub out the stains in your clothes. You need to pay attention because if you rub too hard, you will ruin the fabric. Although this method works, don't expect your clothes to be as clean as if they were washed at the local laundromat. While the clothes are still wet, find a sunny spot and hand the clothes or hang the clothes on a line with the stain exposed to the sun. This should do the trick when it's a temporary solution till you get your hand on some soap. Finding the right place where you can do laundry is crucially important when you're in the backcountry. Never wash your clothes in a stream because you will just poison those who might be drinking from it further downstream. You can wash your dirty clothes in streams only if you use local soap plants and only if you used in moderation. Rather than polluting your water source, get a container, even a bucket works, fill it with water and let it sit in the sun for a bit. This will help warm the water and will make the cleaning process easier. You can also heat your water if you have the means to do so. For bathing and other tasks that require hot water, I recommend buying a portable solar shower. Those living on the coastal areas will often use seawater to wash their clothes. Although this may seem practical, the salt from the water and extreme wind hitting the coastline will wreak havoc on your garments. Try to wash your clothes with fresh water as often as possible to avoid damaging the fabrics. If you are preparedness-minded, you should learn to live better with less. Instead of figuring out how to clean difficult stains with different fibers, buy clothes that are easy to clean. You can opt for wearability and practicality, but you should also keep in mind how difficult it would be to wash those clothes by hand. During, doing laundry in an austere environment was a very natural thing to do a few dec- decades ago, and some people still do it today. The homeless and low-income people often wash their clothes by hand just to save a buck. Doing laundry may not look like something to worry about, but this practical survival skill is just is not just for those down on their luck. All right, so important uh, thing to remember, and maybe it's time to make some of those five-gallon bucket, uh, you know, w- washing machines with uh, the plunger and make those so you can agitate. Maybe a couple of them, one to agitate with soap and one to rinse with water, uh, would work. You know, I always thought that. Um, I don't know exactly what they're called, but, you know, those big yellow buckets that you, you see people mop with and maybe like in a big store or, or in a restaurant or something like that. And they have the the ringer on the side. It's not really a ringer, but uh, it kind of presses the mop and it pushes out all the water, it kind of rings out all that water and it goes back into the bucket. You know, I always thought that would be a good, you know, if it was just only used for clothes, that that would be a good investment. Uh, I think they're maybe like 40, 50 bucks at like Walmart. I think I saw them one time uh, to use um, if you had to do clothes outside to wring them out. Because, you know, wringing them out yourself, and I mean, that could be a pain. Not only that, you know, you're saving the water. The water's going right back into this bucket. You can use it for other purposes. So I'm thinking two five-gallon drums, you know, one... Uh, one for uh, soap and agitating and cleaning, another for rinsing out, and one of those yellow buckets to where you can uh, use that handle to squeeze the, the clothes so that it'll um, you know get the water out all out so you can hang it up. I think that would be a good, nice little setup if you really, really needed something like that. So go check out this article at Prepper Wills, Prepper's Will. Uh, dot com. There's a lot of good. Uh, there's a there, there's a lot of links to it. You want to go check out and uh, go see. You know what he's talking about and go on from there. Well, that's it for episode 46 of the Prepper Website Podcast. 
We appreciate you listening. We think we had a great uh, podcast today and a lot of great articles. Hey, if you get a chance, come by the website, theprepperwebsitepodcast.com, and share out this episode, episode 46. We make it really easy with all the social media accounts on the left-hand side of the screen. And while you're there, you know, drop me a line in the comments section or, or hit me up on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I always love to hear from you. If you come to the website, don't forget to join the, the free e-group uh, and, and register for the free e-course and you'll start getting lessons in your email from uh, a more self-reliant life e-course. Um, that's just free that we, we send out there once you register for the e-course or for the, for the email list. And then also if you uh, would like to join the community, the free Facebook group, we'd love to have you. You, just, you can click to it from the, the website as well. It'll take you straight to the Facebook group. You can request to join. And then just as long as you're not, you don't look like a bot or you don't look like someone who's going to just come in and troll, we, uh, we want you to come in and join and, and be a part of, of the group and, and uh, share with each other and with all of us and, and help each other grow and learn and live that self-reliant life. All right, guys, until tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow we'll have another great podcast, more great articles for you to read. If you're looking for more preparedness information, go over to PrepperWebsite.com, and there's tons of articles over there. We don't, we, There's no way that we can read all those articles on this podcast, but there's a lot of great information over there for you that you can go and research and learn and grow in your preparedness and self-reliant life. Let me leave you with this. Choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or grind. Until next time, stay prepped and aware. Peace.